So, um, we're all aware, we should all be aware um, if we attend worship every week, um, but some of us um, on Facebook may not tune in every week or um, we may have some visitors in here who don't know, but we're going through the book of Philippians and we've been going ever since pastor's been out, we've been going through the book of Philippians and now we've come through or come to Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. And it reads, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Verse 9 says, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So, today is a it's a time of reflection you know after we've been going through this whole book of Philippians thus far it's a lot of stuff that Paul is saying that we learned and he's given us an opportunity to take a break which I encourage you to break all week long all week long go over and over and over what it is that we've learned thus far to get to this point. So he's given us a break to think over these things. You know, and um, that brings me to my first point. I got three points that I'm going to hit today. And my first point is think first. Okay? What does that word think on mean? It means to and I got the whole definition here, and it's got a whole lot to it, but I'm just going to um, hit on a couple of points, and hopefully we get the gist of it. But it means to reckon, to count, to compute, to calculate, count over, take into account, count up, count up the cost, or weigh the reasons. It means to deliberate, to gather or infer. And it also can mean to meditate on. So hopefully we see here clearly that this thinking that Paul is speaking of to the Philippians about is not a microwavable action. It's a process. What do you think would happen if you were to put a raw, let's say, uh, a raw lamb shank into the microwave? Now, I realize that we all not chefs. You know, we, we all don't, you know, specialize in the kitchen. And for many of us, we just haven't invested the time to understand the science behind cooking certain foods, you know, certain meats and stuff like that. So let me help you out a little bit. A lamb shank is a very tough cut of meat 
from the leg of the lamb, right? And it's impossible to enjoy that piece of meat unless you are maybe a lion or a hyena or something, right? You know? <laughs> they, they, tear, they tear it to pieces, you know what I mean, raw, and, and have a good time and, and thoroughly enjoy it. But unless you cook it slow and long, you're not going to get the, the, the benefits out of it. You're not going to enjoy it thoroughly, okay? It takes about a three to four hour investment of your time. I just learned this a couple, probably, probably about, how long was it ago? About a, maybe a couple months ago now. Um, I made my first lamb shank, you know, and so uh, this information is fresh in my mind right now, you know, but it was a three to four hour investment, and the thing that you know, I was reading about is that it's very forgiving, the lamb shank is. And it's pretty much impossible for you to ruin it unless you undercook it, unless you don't take your time, right? But you can overcook it. The worst thing that's going to happen is it's going to fall off the bone. Now, how bad is that, right? So... Now, why do you suggest, I mean, or, or suppose that I use that word investment? It's because when we invest something, time, money, labor, etc., we expect a return, right? Now, I find it really apropos that when thinking of this example, the Lord gave me the lamb. That was real fitting because I was thinking of a whole lot of other stuff and then he just gave me the lamb, right? Because and I, I don't want to make anything or anyone equal to God, right? But when you invest about three hours in the slow cooking that lamb shank, you just might think of the tender mercies of the lamb of God while you're eating that tender lamb, Right? When you invest that three hours in allowing that lamb shank to marinate and stew in them seasonings and them juices, you just might ask yourself, well, what, what, what would happen if I invest three hours a day in my word? What would happen if I invest three hours a day in, you know, just being in the presence of the Lord and closed in his presence? Like that lamb is enclosed in that oven and him just working on you, you know, you know, just melting things off, you know, just doing things, just marinating his goodness, his mercy, his grace, his awesomeness. How would that affect you? How tender might you become? Hmm? How lovely might you become? How true might you become? How honest might you become if you spend three hours a day stewing in the presence of the Lord? How just might you become? How pure might you become? How much of a good report will there be concerning your behavior if you spent quality time in the Lord? Not rushing it but just quality time stewing in his presence. Come on, saints, how, 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 
How? Just ask your question. Ask that question. How? How much would that change me? And so he says, think on these things. Take your time. Deliberate. Think on those things which ye have both learned, seen, received, and heard in me, he says. What are these things? Now, let me just say that these four actions... Learn, seen, received, and heard. These four actions are actually one and the same. But they are characteristically different. They have or add to one's growth and understanding difference of value. What I mean by that is that everyone learns differently. They process information differently. And so Paul covers the whole spectrum and encourages us to spend time looking through these four different lenses. Treat these as four different lenses that you can look through and that you can use to benefit and help you to to learn. Okay? We learn one way, then then when when we see things, you know, some people learn by seeing. You know, some people learn by receiving or giving, right? Some people learn well by hearing. You know, I wasn't wasn't good in in just, you know, getting lectured. You know, in high school, I remember history. I failed history because my teacher, he was just, he was a lecture teacher. And he wouldn't engage me. You know what I mean? He wouldn't show me nothing. He would just talk, 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 you know? Some people are good at listening, you know, but everybody, again, they learn differently. You know, so Paul gives us these four lenses to look through um, and that we can add as much value to our walk as possible. Amen. So one of the things and I'm not going to go through all of them again because, you know, we've been through them since we've been going through this book of Philippians, and I just want to touch on a few of them. But thanksgiving and prayer is one of these things that he's talking about. Think on. In Paul's opening, we witness his thankfulness just to be able to remember his brothers and sisters in the fellowship of Christ. You guys remember that? Wow. How many of us Give thanks because we are able to remember our siblings. And give thanks and are genuinely excited unto prayer on their behalf because of their partnership in the gospel. Something to think on. Now praying prayers, not not praying prayers of concern for our fellow, fellow brothers and sisters, but rather prayers of praise because you're fully confident that he who has begun a good work in you will what? Will carry it, perform it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Another point is contentment. Philippians 4, 11 through 12 
4, 11 through 12. He says, not that I speak in respect or want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and to be abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. He says, I know what it's like to have. I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like to be on top. I know all these things. I've experienced all these things. You know, and, and yet I've learned a secret. I learned the secret how to be content no matter what the circumstance is. Right? Some of these versions, you got to be careful. Some of these versions will um, use the word happy. Well, like we learned last week when Pastor Doug was preaching, happiness has to do with circumstance. So we don't want to attribute happiness and, and make that equal, uh, equally defined with contentment or peace, as we, we, we use the, the, the word or the name and describe God as the God of peace later on as I preach. But he says, Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both abound and to suffer need. And then he goes on to talk about that secret that he's learned of, of contentment. You know, something to think on, you know. Um, prayer and worship. In any and every situation, we have learned that it is very possible to be and remain content. Living in and for Christ. We need only to reflect back to Acts chapter 16, verse 20 through 26. And it reads, And brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble in our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans, that is, and the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. And sang praises unto God. After being flogged, after being beat, after having their clothes ripped off, you know, after, you know, going before all the leaders and stuff like that, put on blast on stage before everybody. Um, that's a lot to go through, right? You know, and even after going through all that, you know, Paul proves right there, you know, that he knows how to suffer. You know, he knows how to be on top. He knows, he knows what it's like, you know, uh, around that whole, the whole spectrum of life. And it says here, they sang and, they, and, and, and they, they prayed 
and sang praise unto God, and the prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. So here's something for us to think on in terms of how we deal with our situations, our circumstances. And I'm not just talking about, you know, those, you know, everyday circumstances, but I'm talking about when it gets really rough, when it starts to get really tough, right? When you're at your lowest point, you serve a God who we call um, the God of peace. And his peace is a peace that what? Surpasses all understanding. That's an amazing peace that we have access to. If only we deliberate on it and we think on it and allow it to saturate in us to the point to where we can recall it. We can, we can use it to our benefit. But if we're not marinating in it and we're not thinking on it, you know, for, for, for a long enough time, Guess what? It's just it's going to be tough and rough in us, you know. And and we're not going to enjoy. It. We're not going to be able to tolerate it. And what we're going to do? We're going to spit it out, probably unknowingly, involuntarily. We're going to spit it out. Spit out that peace that God gave you. Spit out that gift that God gave you. A lot of times we we we, we give up our blessing unnecessarily. Give it up because we don't have the patience. We haven't exercised the patience. We haven't, we haven't given ourselves totally over to the Lord and allowed him to, um, to work his, his thing in us. I was just talking about it what, yesterday to a brother of mine how, um, about patience and about how... Um, I'll just tell you a little bit of my testimony. Right now, me and my wife and my family, we're working on closing out a a new home in Antioch. You know, and um, we've been wanting this thing for a long time. And, you know, part of my whole way of my mindset of thinking around it has been, you know, me. What can I do to make this happen? You know? How much money do I got to come up with in order to make this happen? Right? Online, on the internet, trying to, you know, find, you know, new jobs, you know, get, get rich quick schemes or, or <laughs> you know, trying to find a way where I can make a substantial amount of money quick. You know what I mean? On top of the fact that I'm already working 60 hours a week. <laughs> you know what I mean? But then the Lord opened my eyes, though. Right. And, and he showed me that, you know, I, I already blessed you with two jobs in one. You know, he allowed me to step out on faith and, and leave the last job I had and, and come to this job that I have now. And, you know, with the with the overtime that I work, you know, I make more money in overtime than I make on my regular check. Working half the time. Sometimes not even half the time, you know what I mean? But, you know, he opened my eyes and showed me that, you know, you, know um, you can possibly forfeit this. 
you know, out here looking for, you know, trying to make it happen for yourself. Right? Think on these things that I did for you way, 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 way back when I, when I, when I, took, that, when I took that home from you in Hayward. Remember when we was in church over in San Leandro? I took that home from you, and then I gave you this home over here for probably $400, $500 less rent. You know, that allows you to save more. And then he turned around and he said, I gave you this another job. Now you're making three times the money. Now you're really able to save. Guess what? The whole time, none of it was you. Right? None of it was you. So why you want to act like the children of Israel, you know what I mean, and keep on, you know, bumping your head into that same wall thinking that I ain't going to come through for you? Thinking that I don't love you, that that I'm not an on-time God. (laughs) You know what I mean? Thinking that it's it's actually something that you can do to benefit you and your circumstance. It's not. It's not. You know, so think on those things. Purpose and sacrifice. We've learned and seen through Paul's experience in prison how to properly perceive the very difficult experiences we have currently and the experiences that we will futurely come face to face with. Remember in chapter one, he writes, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. We've seen how that perspective and resolve serve to encourage others to speak the word of God more courageously and without fear. Something to think on. Being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and in purpose. Think on those things. Having no confidence in the flesh. Remember, we talked about confidence in the flesh as relating to the circumcision, right? The circumcision that we have is not a circumcision of the flesh, but a circumcision of the heart, right? You can't have no confidence in your flesh. You can't think that your flesh is master, right? You can't fall in love. He tells you don't fall in love with the flesh. Don't fall in love with the things of this world. The flesh is a thing of this world, right? He took, the, he took from the ground, right? And, he, and he, he breathed into the dirt and created man. You know, so what? This flesh that we're in or housed in uh, is a, a thing of this world, Right? Don't put your hope and your faith and your belief and your trust in the things of this world. Right? That's what he says. Die to the things of this world. Die to your flesh. And come alive in the spirit. And there are many more things that we learn, which he encourages you to think on. Um, go over and over those things. Like I said, throughout the week, go over and over those things. And why? Because he goes on to say that those things which you have both learned, received, heard, and seen in me, what's the next thing that he says? Do. Do those things. These things, Paul says, put into practice. Don't look at them through the eyes of Allen Iverson. How many of you guys know who Allen Iverson is and what he's 
most notable for. Right? He said, practice. Practice. You talk about practice. Right? You know what I mean? He had a horrible attitude. He, he was kind of, you know, manipulated by the, by the press and, you know, hounded by the press and all that kind of stuff. But the, the, the moral and the, and the point of what I'm trying to say is that, you know, practice is very important. Paul says, put into practice these things that you think on, do them. Practice them. Practice, we have to practice all the time. It's not something that you just go, you can't call yourself practicing if you just go out and you shoot one basket. That's not practice. Right? You can't call yourself practicing if you look up and say, thank you, Lord, and then the rest of the week you go out and you don't even acknowledge him. Right? You can't call yourself practicing if you go on YouTube and you listen to about, you know, a minute of a preacher, you know, give you an encouraging word, and then you don't go study for yourself. Right? That's not practice. That's playing games. All right? So don't look at them through those type of eyes. No, take them very seriously and learn to do them habitually. Habitually tell the truth. Habitually be honest. Habitually be just. Habitually be pure. You may say, it's too late for that. It's too late for me to be pure. You know, I, I, I done did way too much dirt. Right? I, I'm way too unclean. You know, I got way too much of an extensive past, you know, record. You know what I mean? That, no, it's too late for me to be pure. But guess what? It's not too late. You serve and belong not to a God, but God Almighty. You, you belong to God who is able. Right? He's able. I said he's able. Say it with me. He's able. You guys believe that this morning or this afternoon? That he's an able God? Able to change you? Able to rearrange you? Able to forgive you, able to love you, able to encourage you, able to fill you with his Holy Spirit, able to rescue you, huh? Able to make a way for you out of no way, huh? He's able in every way you can think of. He's able. He is the great I am. And never forget that. And he's willing, more than willing, to make you new, to give you a fresh start, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We ought to habitually love one another. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six 36 through 40 says, Master, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love thy neighbor, no, no, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law 
of the prophets. Now, I don't want you to get this wrong right here, okay? Some of you don't love yourself, and that's not okay, okay? But guess what? It's very correctable, okay? But don't go around thinking that you're fulfilling the commandment by treating others like you treat yourself, if in fact you don't love yourself, okay? That's not love. That's hate, okay? If you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, understand that God has taught you what love is. And he's given you love to possess. And he's put it in you via his son. It says John 15, 4 through 5, it says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Okay? And he's shown you how to love. Okay? My third point is, the God of peace will be with you. Okay? So he reads and says, those things which ye have both learned, received, and heard, and seen in me do, do those things, and the God of peace will, will be with you. Now, um, originally I read it this way or understood it this way, and I, you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of people will read this and look at it as conditional. Now, it's very important you guys understand that this is not a conditional statement that Paul says here when he says the God of peace will be with you. There's nothing you can do. We just learned right here in John 15, 4 through 5, it says, for without me, you can do nothing. Right? So, don't go around thinking that you can fulfill these commandments or you can do this and you can do that and then that's going to cause the God of peace to be with you. Okay? That's not what he's saying here. He's not conditional in this statement. It's actually encouragement. All right? To let you know. Paul is not saying that if you do these things again, that peace, the peace of God will be with you. He wants you to be encouraged. He wants you to be sure. He wants you to be bold and courageous when it comes to serving God. He knows the hardship. That comes along with serving the Lord. And it's, it's not easy and it's not quick. It's a process. But he also knows that it's like to have the God of peace. He also knows what it's like to have the God of peace on every side. Right? So with that knowledge, knowing what it's like to have the God of peace on every side. Not just on every side, but in, in, inside too. He know how that, that peace can keep you. You know, how it can revive you. How it can restore you. How it can give you hope. How it can cause you and give you the strength and the, the willingness and the encouragement to take just one more step. 
Right. He knows that he's a branch and that the value and he knows the value of abiding in the vine. How many of us know the value of abiding in the vine? You break off from the vine, guess what? You ain't got no hope, you dead. Right? And that without the peace of God or without the God of peace, he, you, and I can do nothing. But within, with him, we can do all things. Amen? Amen.